intention interior trucking companies if you are relying on facility insurance you could be overpaying reduce your insurance cost by 10000 or more per truck and good news we accept drivers with only 1 years of experience to learn more just send us text by typing insurance to 3653640714 thank you Welcome to the Trucking Risk and Insurance Podcast. Joel, welcome to the Trucking Risk and Insurance Podcast. How have you been, my friend? Chris and John, I'm doing well, my friend. I'm doing fantastic. I'm very much excited to be here. I appreciate you having me. And uh, for those that don't know, I'm Joel, of course, here of Paradigm Ticket Defense, which uh, specializes in CBOR defense. Uh, I've drawn upon my former police career that has lent well and uh, it's been a unique couple of years. It's been a unique, it's been a unique, uh, yeah, it's been a unique experience these last couple of years. You were, well, tongue tied. While you were off camera, you got talking about court. I mean, as a paralegal, I got to believe that you spend an awful lot of time in court defending trucking companies with their CVR violations. How has that been going for you? Well, as you guys can probably well imagine, there, the, the pandemic's obviously taken a, a great toll on many industries, but there was a driver shortage previously. And I think once a lot of the circumstances that the, uh, you know, the government tried to roll out the vaccine mandates, et cetera, the trucking industry has grown and changed immensely over the last couple of years. But um, the court system has, has had to grow as well. Like a lot of times for years, I drove feverishly around the province to try to get... Um, to each court on time. The nice thing is now the luxury is we have it, they're hybrid courts, which means they're running via Zoom. And for the most part, you can kind of cover six or seven courts in a day if you're crafty enough. You have a couple laptops going, but it's made for uh, a unique, what well, we're going to call this a unique um, exercise in patience because <laughs> it's not just <laughs> the speed, but the government tries to implement something that has technology as a factor. It's not always the best rollout, but it's kind of catching up now. So it's becoming more manageable. Good. The, mm-hmm. And John, you and I were at a conference recently where Sean Doucette. Yes. Uh, Sean, in case you don't know or our listeners don't know, is the head of MTO. And yep. John, did he imply at that uh, conference that the facility audits were likely to continue being Zoom meetings? Yes, yes. Uh, he has said that uh, it's it's made them happen a lot more frequently and uh, made it a little easier for the officers to be able to conduct those audits. So, yeah, so I see a hybrid model of that going on as we see. Yeah, so I, I just find that's interesting, Joel. As you said, government and technology, um, hey, sometimes it's, it's an interesting mix. Oh, it, it, sometimes I can guarantee every time, but at least they, after the year or two that we're doing this now, and there's some talks that you might have to go back to in court in certain courts in person. But I, until there's a, a, an announcement from um, the chief Mag- the ch- chief justice, it, it's going to remain hybrid for at least 2023. And I'm guessing probably moving forward, it's got a, a huge upside for a multitude of reasons. One of them is there's several courthouses <laughs> are aging. And to rebuild them when we know that the government's kind of fiscally strapped. If you can save a couple hundred million bucks by building a courthouse, it's not required. You, you can get just as much yeah. done. And in fact, the, the course, the, the courts that I was in this week, um, some courts are more efficient than others, but there's two courts that I was in this week. I've never seen a docket with such a list. 
and it was absolutely sailing through it very simply. I mean, a lot of times uh, a decent paralegal or lawyer will call ahead and, and negotiate and, and resolve a matter beforehand. Mm-hmm. But man, well-oiled. And that's not something I often use as a vernacular to describe a government idea. <laughs> yeah. A government well, and well-oiled in the same sentence is not, it's kind of a bit of an oxymoron. Obviously, with with the... Um, the, the various different court cases and whatnot and, and the level of complexity, some of them, it'll be a lot easier in this fashion to be able to run a, a number of them through the system much faster, clear them out, you know, ease up on the backlog and whatnot, obviously for those ones that are less complex. Of course. And to be honest with you, John, that's, I am doing the math on my, my files in the last 10 years. Less than 1% of my cases actually go to a full-on trial. Um, and a lot of times it's just, it's negotiations or mitigating a lot of times aggravating circumstances that you guys can appreciate with the, with the driver pool being pretty shallow these days, you're getting a lot of, a lot of driving behaviors that are probably pretty correctable through crop the training. Unfortunately, that would be my next right. line of attack would be to talk about safety compliance managers, quote unquote, because there's a, there's a real vacuum right now for quality in the, um, in the carry industry mm-hmm. in certain positions. And one of them started everything, as we all know, um, a, a proper company starts with a, a good uh, safety compliance department with knowledgeable people. And from there, they're able to hire and recognize what they require in good hires. Not always the case, as you guys are probably well versed with as well. <laughs> well, as you, as you said, I think every position probably in every industry, but certainly in trucking. I mean, we need mechanics, we need dispatchers, we need safety and compliance people, and we need truck drivers. Uh, But we also need people to pour coffee at Tim Hortons. Uh You do. And as you know, for a period of time, it's getting a little bit better now, but for a period of time, just about every business you walked into had a help one sign on it. And the the trucking industry certainly was not exempt to those sorts of rules, but it's... It's a lot of catch up to do. Um, to be fully honest, there, there's a lot of carriers that are looking for representation. But the first thing I do is interview the, the person that they've put forward, which is safety compliance departments. And a lot of times I'm just finding it's, it's a, it's a quick conversation because if I don't have that liaison within a company, I'm not going to, I have to not only be the educator, the onus is on me to be a lot of other things. And it makes it difficult and quite frankly, not worthwhile. So even if they're willing to pay the money. And, and occasionally you um, you want to give somebody a chance, but invariably more than not, it proves to be exactly what your intuition was telling you from the onset. Mm-hmm. Steer clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Joel, when we talked, last talked a few weeks back, you were on a rant. And this is why I wanted you to have you back on the show. Well, because you had a, yeah. a, we'll say a burr <laughs> under your saddle. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm a passionate guy when I, when I get a, a topic that needs to be refreshingly spoken about. I, I, I usually come up with some good adjectives, but I mean, I, sure. I, I know what you're speaking about. And that was a, a horrific, well, it was a company that I was representing for years. that had a, a very horrific uh, crash that had a tragic ending to it. And it, it was a company I was always kind of concerned about in terms of their, uh, well, their safety compliance department. It lacked a lot of knowledge. It lacked a lot of uh, adherence to training and just flat out accountability wasn't there. And when the same company keeps coming back to you, and not only is it, you know, been involved in a horrific tragedy where, where a life was lost, 
habitually getting cell phone tickets and handheld device tickets from the same company, this tells me that nothing, nothing is resonating from these lessons. It's just, it, yeah. it's in one ear out the other. And, and I can't in good faith go to court for companies that do not figure things out. There's yeah. less, they, you can learn it several ways in life. If you don't learn something from a hard lesson, it doesn't matter. There, there, there's sometimes irredeemable. So this, this company, obviously, I no longer work with, but it, uh, I, I just thought the audacity, I thought, you guys, you know what I used to do for a living? And it's not that I was super militant as a police officer, but in the same token, you want to prevent things from happening in the first place. And then the company goes through something like, when there's been no lesson learned, you're on your own. And uh, I hope they, I hope they learn it at some point because it's in any, any driver here in Ontario could benefit from a company that's properly run. You guys know that. You've been in this for a long time. Well, and that was my rant that the last time we spoke, it was still fairly fresh on the tongue. And I was, uh, yeah, I was a little missed. And I think I know you're a safe zone to vent to because you go through the same issues. Yeah. You know, as you say, John and I run into customers all the time who uh, don't learn. Like we can go in and we can fix issues. Uh, not the same mm -hmm. issues that you're addressing, but we can fix issues. And we go back six months later and it's back to the way it was. Well, no. is that no. a sign of a morality uh, question from management? Well, well said, because we, all three of us would run into a lot of similar common problems that we see within a company. And, and our goal is, my goal is always to, and I know it's counterproductive for business, we, we both know that there's... There's tens of thousands of, of carriers here in Ontario, most of which could use help in some level. But the entire goal is to improve these companies, which I know hurts my bottom line, but that's okay. There's 10 other carriers behind them that are going to mm -hmm. require help. And once exactly. you have something templated in terms of how you do business, like you guys do, you can pretty well, you, you can train anybody to do it. The key is they have to be accountable and you have to be willing to follow it. And that requires discipline and putting measures in place that you're going to do these things. And when they're not, I'm sure you beat your head off of a wall when you go back six months later yeah. and all the suggestions, ideas, and the training you implemented is not to be found. Yeah, That's a lack of accountability. And to me, it's always started with the carrier ownership. And good carriers have great owners. And that's the one thing I've started to learn. And they're, they're carriers that are very in bulk, by the way. The owners are just as likely to be found backing up a truck if required in the yard as they are in the wheel and actually bringing a delivery if need be. That's the dedication. And that's what I like to work for and companies I like to work with. It's just unfortunate they seem to be getting fewer and farther between. The ones that are established, yeah. not a problem. These newer companies that are popping up, my, I wouldn't yeah. lend them a skateboard, let alone a, an 18-wheeler, but uh, welcome to life. Yeah, I, I think we could all agree that um, a great success story for each one of us is working with a client, uh, helping them to improve. They take it upon themselves to own those responsibilities they no longer have those issues. They have full control. They're fully accountable and they no longer need us, the three of us. They no longer need us because they've managed to put things in place, put people in place and, and it's successful. And I'm quite happy to have that success story because as you said, Joel, yeah, there's 10 other clients lining up at the door that are screaming for my assistance, right? So, and That's that just right. kind of throws everything off. That's right. And, and I'm, I know philosophically, we've always lined up. The three of us have always been on the same page. We want somebody that's, you know, going to be accountable and follow exactly what we're doing. We've, we've spent our lives culminating the experiences that we have to instill in other companies. And, and we just want to see what's done right. And yeah, it's good for business. It's good for everybody's safety on the road. And 
at the end of the day, when you see these companies consistently cutting corners, it's just the, the inclination to come continue working with them at any price is just not it, the incentive lost. And that's why I'm sure, uh, thankfully, the vast majority of, of the people that I work with, the vast majority of the carriers there, we're all on the same page. It's just when the phone rings and I, I've been referred by so-and-so, can you look after our carrier? Well, I've got a lot of precursory questions that I now run through. And it's not just a matter of looking at their level two and seeing what their overall, overall violation rate is and historically where their problems lie. I want to know what's been put in place since these problems that are on your abstract have come to light and who are you working with? Because the, the, the term third, well, the third party consultant, that's another branch. If you want me to go down, we can, but the, the <laughs> there's a lot of safety consultants. That go, for have, go for it. Go for it. Well, the, the safety consultant is a very loosely generated term and it's, it's being widely used right now. And when I really, I don't have to get past too many simple questions to realize this person has no idea what they're talking about. So I don't know what safety they're implementing because they, they don't have knowledge, at least not enough for me to want to continue the conversation or work with them. And that's become the other concern that I've seen since the pandemic hit and COVID, et cetera, is that a lot of these companies are springing up and I just don't know. It's almost like the blind leading the blind. There's a handful of people I know that when I refer you guys, I know what they're getting. I know what you guys do. I know what you bring to the table. And your goal is to, like you said, is to work with somebody short term, implement all these ideas and all these um, policies and procedures. So it becomes a template that everybody can just follow. It's quite, it's quite manageable, but you guys are not the norm. Um, and I think that's why you guys have probably been busier than you've ever been like I am. Um, it's because there's just the lack of quality. There's a quality vacuum right now. And until that's rectified, I always drive a little bit slower and a little bit more cautiously on the 400 series highways because I don't know. Some of these carriers could be called wheel off deluxe and it'd be not, it would not be misaligned with what happens in their, their, their safety records. But so true. It is. You mentioned wheel offs and this is, we are making this recording in early January. You mentioned that MTO just had a, uh, a wheel and tire blitz. They did last last uh, early they, the, the last couple of weeks. They've been pulling over vehicles to check lugs and and hub assemblies, etc., um, preventatively, like they often do. But it was a blitz across the province here, and I don't think the numbers have been released yet. Not that I've been seeing, but there's been more frequency of serious offenses, such anything involving a wheel off. So I think they're very. I, the MTO was is always quite diligent, but they're also very good at figuring out what a problem is. And then going out and policing it. And I think that's the way you have to proactively police things as opposed to just being reactive like most police departments are. The MTO has the luxury and the, and the, um, the workforce to go out and enforce things and, and educate because that's what their mandate is as well is to educate people. So we know that there's only so much you can do with a pre-trip inspection. Oftentimes you can have a mechanic do the PTI and a wheel can mm-hmm. still come up, something that you can't see. Um, it's just metallurgy, whatever the situation that causes it. But I think by the MTO going out and educating the public and running um, different levels of inspections, specifically aimed at, at, at reducing the amount of instances of wheels coming off, I think that goes a long way. And that's one thing I, I mean, don't get me wrong, my phone generally rang more because they are still enforcing, but the educational component being more focused on, and that's what I'm impressed with is because at the end of the day, none of, none of us want to deal with fatalities. None of us want to hear about a a wheel flying in a, you know, a vehicle or, or bouncing across the median into the oncoming traffic. It's a missile. And it's, 
it's a charge that I've been seeing with more frequency in the last three years. And, and I think by having these blitzes, it's, it's in everybody's best interest. Well, this is a, a perfect time for motor carriers to be proactive in their approach. And when they hear this kind of news, they should be asking themselves, what is it we're doing right? Or are we not doing enough up? And they should be looking at their own programs with their maintenance and uh, making sure that they don't have to call somebody like Joel to, uh, to have something addressed down the road. They could be sitting there going, hey, we're proactive. Uh, we've got best practices in place. And this is why we don't have wheels flying off our trucks. We don't have these major violations. I fully agree with you, John. And, it, and it's interesting because there was a lot of downtime during COVID. There was a lot of times where, I mean, carriers had never stopped, obviously, with them being deemed essential, which they always were. Um, and you're right. There was, a, there was a period of time where they had a lot of trucks that were off the road, which probably gave them the opportunity to inspect things. And the proper companies had also given a great time to, to train drivers more proactively. But I'm, I'm, I fully agree with you. There's definitely been a, uh, a good window of opportunity. And, and the companies that I do work with that were already smooth running, they, they have marked improvement even further again. Um, my phone just does not ring from them as often because they really have their, they have their business together. And, and I, I love that. It, invariably, any client you've ever gone to court for or you've helped out, they don't forget those things. And whenever they, somebody calls them for advice as to where to go, they're, they're going to get referrals to people like yourself and myself. And I think that's the, um, that's the pride of what we do. And it's a beautiful thing when you work with a carrier that's as proactive as what you just described. And they're definitely out there. So kudos to them. I thank them for their, their efforts, and I appreciate it. Let me ask Johnny a question. John, do you think drivers are doing a better pre-trip today or um, a worse pre-trip today? Blanket statement. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, but generally speaking, with the carriers that I work with are 25 trucks and less or 50 trucks and less. I have an opinion, but John, what's your opinion? And then yeah. Joel, you can answer the, the same question based on, yeah. yours is going to be based on different uh, knowledge and experience. But Johnny, what do yeah. you think? Yeah. Are they doing so, a better? Well, I was going to say, I, I was going to say based on the, the fleet that I see, which are probably that 50, 50 and up, we're talking 50 up to a few hundred. Uh, I would say less. They're doing doing less of a job than they were years ago. I, I, I'm just seeing lackadaisical issues uh, coming from drivers not doing a proper thorough pre-trip. Joel, what are you seeing out there? I, I concur entirely with John. What, what, I've, what I've found now is with the reliance of ELDs, and it's simply a keystroke to say that the, the PTI has been done. Huh. The, the, there's no question I've, I've seen an uptick in log-related offenses, and some of which is for entering inaccurate information. Some of these ELDs, they're not programming some of the things that they ought to be. But there's also just the, the simplicity of just being able to say it's been completed when, in fact, it, it probably hasn't been. The proper companies are, are, are doing a better job, I would think. Some of the ones that are, um, like John mentioned, the 50 carriers who got one carrier that's got 1,400 trucks. Um, but there's no question there's been... Uh, it's a little simpler now to simply not walk around with a clipboard like the old days where you had a, a PTI that was paper and you had to sign off pen and paper. The keystroke has made it a lot easier. And I think with that, the companies that are likely to slack are, and that's where I'm getting an uptick in, in some of these log-related offenses, which all of which carry CBOR points ranging from two to five, depending on what the, the charge is. But there's hundreds of them to write, and I'm seeing quite a bouquet from certain companies, so. John's not wrong. He's definitely on to it. Well, I think PTI so, 
generally. So tell us first, what, what is your opinion, Chris? We want to hear yours first before you go too far. <laughs> I was going to say, I think generally PTI has gotten worse. Uh, the drivers aren't doing the vehicle inspection. I got a question for Joel related to that, though. Have you seen logbook tickets or ELD tickets related to the inspection? Um, because you must see a lot of tickets is what I'm thinking. And uh, mm -hmm. I got two questions about ELDs and tickets that I just thought of. Shit. Oh, I just swore, too. Uh-oh. Um, but are you seeing, you mentioned more logbook violations. What types of logbook or ELD violations are, are you seeing? Well, what's interesting is before I used to get many charges for minor defect or major defect or uh, a brakes being out of adjustment. And it was usually just a solitary ticket. But now I'm seeing that there's a presumption that you didn't do your PTI, which is why you didn't catch these major defects that I'm speaking of. And they're writing both tickets. And sometimes and well, I had a, a, a driver last week for a carrier. There was nine tickets between the carrier and the driver. Uh, six of the nine were, were, were related to, well, to the company not checking and ensuring that the daily inspection report's been done. And for the driver... Once they have the, a foot in the door with a defect, they just assume that the PTI process was not done. And it, I'd be hard pressed to argue with, with what John said earlier. He's probably right. They're just, they're just not doing it. When you could, when you have the ability to get into a truck and turn the, turn the vehicle on, let it warm up and which was the opportune time, obviously, to do a PTI. It's a keystroke. It's a keystroke. The vehicle's already, already running. You just have to click whether or not the PTI has been done. You have to fill in, of course, the, the applicable information with the vehicle and, the plate number and the mileage, et cetera. But a lot of these tickets are being given in tandem before when they were standalone in the past. And that's where they're becoming, it's not uncommon for a driver to be, to have a vehicle stop now where the driver's got, you know, 2000 to 2500 bucks in tickets on the driver. And then you have the same replicated for the company, all of which revolves around the potential of a pre-trip inspection not being done properly. And it's a, it's a common situation and it's, a lot of these tickets are very damaging. Two the five CVR points. Nobody wants to eat that. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, Chris and I have, uh, have talked many, many times in the past uh, about how this could be prevented, you know, and, and, and we're strong believers in a uh, particular pay compensation package, you know, where let's get these drivers on an hourly or salary basis and make sure that they feel compensated for doing that vehicle inspection. Because I think a lot of them right now, it's... No, I'm not paid to do that. I'm paid to drive the truck and get miles because I'm paid by the mile. So if the truck ain't turning, I ain't getting paid. So change that right. pay or pay model. And uh, I think we can change the mindset of some of these drivers and we could get a better vehicle inspection done. I like that you mentioned this because as you guys historically known, a lot of these carriers, they have incentive programs. Where, and, and sometimes it's a $50 Tim's card. Sometimes it's extra cash in your pocket. Sometimes it's, it's a bonus structure at work like you just suggested. And I think if you have to indoctrinate the culture of a company with incentives like that, not a problem. Once you put it in place, the wheels in motion will happen. And I think it becomes ingrained and you don't have to pull the incentive program. I think you have a good driver. You, you pay peanuts to get monkeys. You have a good, a good driver. I think you were, you, you need to compensate them these days because if you don't, they're going to go elsewhere where compensation would be greater. It, they're, they're driving trucks in certain routes. They've been doing it a long time. And for many cases, they've been driving for. A decade longer. Um, but I think once they become ingrained, they're going to be, as you know, the allegiance to stay with the company is not as great as it once was because there's, there's a lot of signing bonuses now for certain companies and there's a lot of poaching going on. But I think as long as you have a good incentive program in place and you have a good fleet that's well maintained, 
it, it's, it's a lot easier for a driver. And sometimes that's, that's plenty, but you have to reward the people that are, you know, keeping the, the, the company afloat as well. And I think the incentive program is brilliant. Uh, hey, and I've got a, the, the audience will love this one because Joel, you don't know this question's coming at you. Um, but it was, it's one of the questions that I've been on a rant for a long time and I want your opinion whether I'm barking up the wrong tree or not, because I've been told I am. It revolves around personal conveyance in the States, uh, Canadian drivers using PC, as it's called, and then crossing the border. And I've been told receiving tickets here in Ontario for what is a legal use of personal conveyance in the States. And then they come across into Ontario and receive a ticket. Have you seen any of these? To be honest, I, I, I don't. I don't know what, uh, what we're speaking of. It's news to me. What, what, what is the personal conveyance? We call it personal. You're going to have to edit this word, obviously. <laughs> well, no, because we call it in Ontario personal use, and personal use right. is off-duty. Personal right. conveyance is the American um, version of Turn. it, except right. for in the States, you can have a trailer, and it can be loaded. So it doesn't meet our definition of personal use. And so it's off-duty in the States, and they can legally use it in the States. And I've been told that when they hit the border, especially if it puts them over their 70 for the week, they're going to right. get a ticket. But it can also interrupt their 10 hours off-duty. Yeah. And the officer right. can then write a ticket. But you know what? I've had a couple of instances of that, but I will say that I think some of the carriers that are likely to be bending and breaking the rules are probably what we're speaking of right now. Because the carrier, I, but this is, it's not the first time I've heard of the concept, but it's the first time where I've had, I, I can only think on very small terms how many times I've, I've come across this. And I, I think it's all because I only do my best to represent reputable carriers where they're not going to be, um, you know, worried about the, the, in terms of the hours of service, they're not going to toy or contemplate any potential infraction, because as we know, it doesn't matter which side of the the border you're on. If you get involved in a serious accident and you've been pushing the envelope as to how many hours you've been driving, you can be darn sure that any lawyer, if there's something that comes about in a, in a lawsuit afterwards, and we don't deal with small lawsuits, we're pushing tens of thousand pounds of, of steel and rubber down a road. When we crash into things, it gets expensive. And if there's been any sort of bone of contention as to what, what your hours in service have been on either side of the border, you can be rest assured it's going to be investigated by somebody after the fact. The carriers I, I deal with, I've not had this as any sort of common occurrence, but I am familiar with what you're speaking in terms of there are some companies that have um, a lot of routes that are under 160 and they're not sure about whether they're putting ELDs. But that 160 kilometers, for example, it grows all the time. Apparently, you can grow the 160 Ks just by adding water. But there's no question I have some companies that are routinely doing you know, um, the, the 160 and then diligently, they make sure that it's, it's, that they are not allowed outside that range, which is a nice thing, but it's kind of speaking basically to the same things that we're, um, we're pushing right now, but the conveyance is, is something, thankfully, I don't have a lot of experience with because the carriers I represent have not been pushing them, thankfully. Good. Well, I've, I've actually heard of some carriers from a best practice approach, they have basically disallowed the use of personal conveyance with their drivers. Um, mm -hmm. they're very diligent about their route planning. 
and making sure that they just don't put their drivers in that situation that the driver needs to use that personal conveyance, uh, which is right. which is great. We need to see more of those carriers that uh, that are doing that approach. Absolutely. And I, and I think once you have things templated and you have ironclad policies and procedures of ways of doing things, I think those that's that's the best case scenario for everything is it for everyone involved. Because as soon as you're starting to cross the border and there's obviously there's different rules applicable to both sides, mm-hmm. the best advice is not to push the envelope. If you've been driving for you're a lot of them out here in Ontario, that should that that's plenty. Just because you can get away with something in different states, et cetera, it doesn't make it a wise practice. And that's some of the things that we're yeah. constantly driving on with these big carriers. Yeah, and- in some defense of the drivers that are in the States, uh, the idea of personal conveyance is to allow the driver to get to a point of safety um, yeah, right. should their hours run out. And we all know that there's a, a parking problem in North America, not just in the States. And it's easy for a driver to have his plan and the plan to blow up for a number of different reasons. And and so personal conveyance was designed, I think, a little bit for that, where, hey, if you get stuck somewhere, you can drive a few extra minutes uh, right. to a point of safety for you, your well, truck, and your cargo. But yeah, that was the essence of it. But it's been widely abused. Mm-hmm. And I'm not yes, the yeah. old adage of you, by planning, you, you eliminate a lot of failures. And by not, but failing to plan, you're, you're going you're gonna to fail for sure. So. Yeah, I, I think when you start pushing the envelope, the, the essence of how it was designed was, yes, to give you a couple extra minutes if you had to bring it to a, a side of the road that was uh, somewhere safely off the highway. But you give people a little leverage and there's always people going to run a little further with it. And that's probably it. So, well, because like Chris, Chris and I've talked about this before, the hours of service, uh, the rules specify you can drive up to this maximum number of hours. Doesn't say you have to. I like that. I like that. And, and I think that's that's the, the best way of avoiding these things. You have to have a contingency plan in place and have a 360 yeah. way of looking at it because the unexpected becomes the normal for, especially if you're a friend yeah. that's already pushing the envelope, you can be rest assured something's going to happen to you. And when it does happen to you, it could get, it could get pretty nasty in a hurry. Yeah. And Joel, we're just wrapping up. Uh, in just a minute, um, I just wanted to say, hey, thank you for this. And look at there. We got, whoop, let me see if, oh, look at that. Right in focus this. and everything. Um, nice. The Provincial Offenses Act. Uh, it, this is a great read for people out there. When your drivers get a ticket, oh, my goodness. It tells it's you way too story. much. But I got a complimentary uh book from Mr. Joel, Paradigm, sorry, what was that? Paradigm Ticket Defense, and, and my, it was my pleasure sending that to you. It's kind of the uh, it's kind of the Bible that we go by in terms of knowing what you're up against and, and, and how to avoid things as well. When you start looking at the points in there, there's very few that do not involve CVR points, and we both, we both, we all know that that greatly affects your insurance rates, et cetera. So simple book, and uh, John, if you need one, you let me know. I'll gladly give sure. one away. Sure, no, appreciate it. Yeah, but oh, uh, love them. no, yeah. it's it's they just don't leave them at driver training meetings because apparently they'll go missing. So, no doubt, he, he's yeah. making fun of me, John. I left my oh, my I first copy. I would never do that on air. I would never do that on air. I assure you. <laughs> he was kind enough to send me a second um, copy of it. Uh, you know, yes, 
But uh, yeah, no, Joel, you are one of the paralegals. Uh, as always, we need more than one of everybody in our uh, in our kitty. How would you say that? In our bank, and you are one of two that I frequently recommend. And well, I you know, appreciate that. And likewise, you guys are excellent at what you do. You guys have been in the industry a long time when it comes to safety compliance. There's there's those in the know and there's those that are not in the know. And you guys have always been in the know and you're continuously learning as we all are with any prep. You know. But uh, I know we have our standards in place and we don't waver from them. And our job is just to make things a little safer. And that's if we all did that, I think everything would be far safer. So I thank you for the opportunity. We'd all go home at night safely. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. That's the name of the game. But uh, I certainly appreciate the time here, gentlemen. And I, as always, it's a pleasure speaking to you both. Well, thanks, Joel. Paradigm Ticket Defense, Joel's contact info is in the show notes down below. Thanks, Joel.